Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Sarah Alexandra, who is a writer and wellbeing mentor. She leads curated one-to-one mentoring sessions, circles and retreats, both in person and online. Sarah Alexandra has been practicing yoga and meditation for 20 years and has been teaching worldwide for a living. She's answered the call of her heart and has made Scotland her home. She's deeply in love with the nature and the nature of the people in Scotland. Her wellbeing journey began with the study of yoga in LA, continued in New York and expanded in Norway and truly evolved while living in India. She has merged her yogic passion and with her love and study of shamanism and creative writing as healing modalities. She's had the honour to study with shamans in North, Central and South America. Woven through her yoga practice, you will find a focus on the human body as an awe-inspiring vehicle of experience, a relationship to nature, creating sacred space, gratitude writing and using the shamanic drum and plant medicine to connect to the heart. She believes that nourishing the self is a lifelong relationship. Her visionary sites are now set on creating a wellness retreat centre on the west coast of Scotland with the sea and ancient trees as the landscape of healing. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me on the Recession Change podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Oh, Nicola, it's such a delight to have you. And it's funny because you press record and it was like, wouldn't it be funny if I was like, leave a meeting now. That's why I'm laughing. No, quite opposite. I'm really, really excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Good. You're locked in now. We're going to have a really good chat. Sarah, you and I have known each other for a number of years and I was trying to actually track back how we came across. I think it was through a mutual friend in the kind of yoga space in Edinburgh. And I want to say calm, and I want to say probably through Lynette is what my guess is. Um, yeah. I was trying to remember too, but I definitely, I feel it was calm. Yeah, um, like- I think it was, it was actually, I'm going to name drop Nicola Giffen, because I'm sure it was her birthday weekend. We went away <laughs> to the retreat, and it was amazing, in nature, in your element. I think mm-hmm. that's when we connected years ago. But you know, it's funny, I actually, when we were supposed to do this on Friday, I actually saw Nicola Giffen randomly. Um, and I was like, oh, oh I was supposed to see other Nicola for a chat. So, oh. Nicola's. The universe works in wonderful ways. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I've known you for a number of years, and I, I just love what you do and what you're all about. Can, but for the listeners, can you give us a kind of background about who you are, what you do, what's your vibe? Just tell us about yourself. Uh, this nutty little American that calls Scotland home and really loves it. And uh, it's been five years that I've lived here. Um, And this land really drew me. Um, The nature, obviously, and the nature of the people. And then all of a sudden I was like, I have to live here. I have to have to live here. And since I've moved here, I feel like not only have I found my community, I mean, I have people I love everywhere in the world, but there's something about Scotland and the women that are here and the incredible work that's being done that has empowered me and kind of asked me to go deeper in my work and supported me so much in it in every step of the way that it's just become something, um, I don't know, something like a waking dream where I'm like, this is real. I get I get to do all the things that I love with people beside me that I trust, that I honor, um, that I feel really supported by and that I hope, I think I can support in turn. So, a lot of what I do is centered around practices that have altered and changed my life in ways that I am forever grateful for. And 
My hope is that I can put them back into the world in ways that other people can connect with. So they vary a lot, <laughs> just like, um, much like my practices. But first and foremost, I think for me is the core of writing and using words to express, to get deep down into emotions, to release, to invite in the power of words, whether written or spoken. And then it evolved into a yoga journey that's lasted, I was thinking about this, it's been 20 years now. Um, so half my life, which is really weird and wonderful to say. And then all sorts of modalities like meditation and forest bathing and Reiki and past life regressions and just layers and layers of awarenesses that have kind of all come together to create who I happen to be now. And I'm so grateful for them. And I'm really grateful for the timing actually, because if it had all come in at once, it would have been like this storm of change. And it's been very gradual and they've all built on top of each other. Mm. So yeah, that's that's what I hope to put back into the world. A little bit of inspiration, a little bit of hope, um, some community. And uh, it comes across in workshops, in, uh, in circles for women, in retreats. Um, yeah, it's really allowed me to connect to myself and others in a way that is exponentially wonderful. So I'm really really deeply grateful yeah I love it I wrote the word gratitude down because you just kind of it, I was almost picking up that energy from you before you even used the word when you were speaking about Scotland and being here which I love and again I'm gonna ask you about change in a second Sarah but the way you describe it about that layering it's like I, I often use the word evolution with mm -hmm. change because I think it is like we gain a little bit more insight and then it takes us on a you know maybe a a, a reroute on our path and then we learn another thing and then it takes us in another life and it's we almost sometimes don't know where we're going to end up but it's that openness isn't it to to expansion and to learning and yeah I just love that I ask all my guests about how they feel about change because this is obviously the refreshing change podcast and I harp on about change all the time um but how do, how do you feel about it how's significant as a, a role has it played in your life what's your vibe with change Ooh, <laughs> can you dedicate the whole podcast to this? <laughs> um, there's a duality in me when it comes to change that I think is probably reflected in most people. Mm -hmm. There is that part of me that loves it, that loves for it, that like like you said, this evolution where continuous change. And I know that I know it on a cellular level. I know it on a mental, physical, emotional level, spiritual level. We are evolving and it's happening faster now. I think we talked about this when we met, it's just exponential growth. Like you get the lesson, then you get kind of the challenge that comes with the lesson and then you're on to the next thing. It's just like, oof, oof, oof. Mm -hmm. um, which only means in my opinion that we're fully capable, we're ready for this. We're ready for accelerated growth. But there's the other part of us that also likes the safety <laughs> of not changing. Um, which is normal. It's normal. We crave it. And yet there's also something inherent in change that terrifies us because we're like, what, how, how much of ourselves do we lose in this process? Will we recognize ourselves by the end of it? And I think um, the ultimate change, and I, I'm going to refer to it as change death. When people think about death, they kind of think of like a, an end point. And I'm like, no, it's actually, it too is a change. It's a joy when we step through. And the reason I think I've become much more comfortable with it is because I've spent four years now doing retreats with widows and widowers. Um, 
and you sit with people and their grief and their awareness of death and how you process it. And then you start to realize that as a society, we've removed ourselves so far from that, that we don't want to address it. We just kind of avoid it, but it's there in the background, like this awareness of like the ultimate change we're ever going to go through is when this physical body doesn't exist. And what are our beliefs about what happens after it? So, um, I wouldn't be here without change. I don't think any of us would be. Um, if we had remained the same, we wouldn't be doing the evolution process that you're talking about. And yeah, it's it's frightening at times, but like ultimately in my heart, I look at changes like whatever's happening is happening for my greatest and highest good. I may not always like it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've had moments where I've been like, no, not this, anything except this. Um, but in the last couple of years, I've really tried to look at everything that occurs in my life as something that I can learn from. Mm -hmm. And we're taught to really access the parts that are easy and to stay in those which feel nice and comfortable and comforting and familiar. And then, you know, the, the things that challenge us, um, how do we respond to them? How do we allow them to change us? And I have this discussion with a couple of friends who are very much about just the hard part. They're like, you know, I don't believe in anything easy. And I'm directly in the middle. I'm like, I love the ease and the grace and that feminine aspect that knows how to move with the change and not resist it. But I also love being held up to that line that asks you to become more than you were. Um, so both of them, somewhere in the middle, somewhere in that balance, is where I think I find the most joy, the most growth, and the most opportunity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. I knew you would blow me away with your words in this conversation. I just, I, I knew it before I even, before you even started, but I love that. Become more than you were. Like, that is gold. Um, it's interesting, you, were ta you, you talked about death and about the, um, suppose people not necessarily discussing it but it's one of life's inevitables interestingly I was having a conversation on Friday with um, a friend who was kind of looking towards retirement and that is quite a big transition and change in their mm -hmm. life but there's so many aspects of our life that we we don't talk about and we don't um we don't honor and we yeah. don't really like, we don't have these rites of passage anymore in our society. Mm. We just kind of like, we're taught to go continuously at full speed ahead. Um, and we've even forgotten to turn around and look back at how far we've come. Yeah. Um, because we're always projected forward, um, yeah. always onto the next thing, always like how, and that in itself is, I think, highly detrimental because. You never feel like you're good enough. You feel like you spend your entire life chasing something that is just beyond your grasp. Mm. Um, yeah, and often that, you know, I quite often refer to, and that was the whole point of the refreshing change, ref refer to these sort of very unhelpful, toxic narratives. And there's that one about don't look back, you're not going that way. You know, it, it floats around the development space, mm -hmm. but actually there's so much beauty in looking back because if we're just living day to day, we forget that what we're capable of, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, today, we possibly weren't capable of it six months ago. And we've grown yeah. and evolved as a human, which is so beautiful. But if we don't look back, 
we often don't take the time to acknowledge and celebrate ourselves for that. So I love that. And you said about stopping is where, and I suppose the pace that we're moving forward, and I get, I, I'm going to assume that you would echo this opinion, but in the stillness is often where we find so much clarity. And oh, just, that has become oh, at the top of my list mm. of what I need in my daily practices, the stillness, the quietude and the solitude which again are also things we're kind of taught to shy away from. Mm -hmm. um, so we fill up, you know, every moment of every day with doing it. It's this, again, it takes us back to that masculine feminine dichotomy where the masculine creates structures and ideas and hopes and dreams that we push ourselves towards. But the feminine is also like, but I have to be present for all of these. If I'm just planning them at light speed, mm -hmm. how am I actually even experiencing them? And to go back to what you said about your friend about, um, her retiring as women, I mean, it goes without saying that we've created these cultures that really kind of shy away from the fact of like watching us age. Like once we reach a certain age, we're almost discarded. We're beyond what's necessary. You're no longer reproductively available. So then what, what use are you to the world? And if you look at past societies, I mean, the wise women, we didn't get wise at 20. We couldn't. It, it takes time. Um, it takes experience. And then, so for her, I mean, I'm really excited for your friend and what it brings. And I hope that she celebrates it. And I hope that the people in her life celebrate it with her as a marker, as a point of like, yes, you've grown in wisdom. You finish this point. And how are you going? What's your next adventure going to look like? Because it will be an adventure. And she's reclaiming her freedom in a different way. So, yeah. If I if I get to be um, older, I very much look forward to that too. Mm. I think for me, it's like a in any sort of change or transition, it's almost like a re-identifying yourself and sometimes your purpose. So I think it's that being open to that throughout your whole life because it can change, and you don't have to wait for retirement to re-identify or rediscover yourself or go on that journey but I think no. a lot of people it's probably quite uh um can be a, almost like a shock to the system if they've not explored it before and they, they find themselves within a career and a sector and a job so I think it's just that similarly I suppose for death it's just it's just things where they're inevitably going to happen but we don't talk about what that means for us or how to celebrate it or explore the emotions that come up with that so I just think it's yeah fascinating topic um I'm going to go on to the next question because I think we could all we could just explore each one in so much depth but when I I've also known you for years Sarah and I when I was planning this podcast I kind of had a wee check out of your bio on Instagram and um, uh -oh. <laughs> no I loved it I loved it it talked about nourishing the self is a lifelong relationship and I loved it so I just wanted to start there and I suppose it for you to explain to me and the listeners, like what does that mean for you? Uh, so that that tagline actually took a while to come to, but I was like, how do I explain all of my practices all wrapped up into one? Mm -hmm. And the reason it came about is because, um, you know that saying, like you teach what you need to know? Mm -hmm. That's why, because I had spent the majority of my, my known life um, showing up for everyone in my life, my family, my friends, my partners, 
um, coworkers, everyone I knew how to be really good at that. And I prided myself on it. I still do. I love it. It makes me deeply happy to be someone that people can count on. Um, however, what I was lacking deeply um, and sincerely was an ability to do the same for myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I think when I was younger, I thought it was like a, almost like a value that I had where I was like, I would take less so that I could give more. And eventually what life does to us and did to me was push me to that edge where I had nothing to give anyone. Um, And the realization of like what I had done to myself became really like clear. And oddly enough, it happened. A massive turning point for me was I went to India when I was, this was, I was 32, so 10 years ago. Um, did my yoga teacher training, was there for months and months, and um, I came across this woman who did readings. She uh, went to Berkeley for psychology, then came back to India to do these really intense readings for people, and when I mean intense, I mean like six to seven hours, you're sitting with her, yeah, and I went to have one done, and she again and again laid out all these cards, and she's like, you have this beautiful life ahead of you, but you're not there and you're not going to reach it if you don't actually get into communion with yourself you've literally done it for everyone else but not ever once for you and that trip to india was actually probably the beginning of really entering into a relationship with myself because a relationship that i was in had just ended i was going by myself i didn't know anyone i had no idea what i was really getting myself into i just had this feeling of like this is where i need to be um, so it was free falling um, <laughs> to the max where like I got there and I remember being handed a bucket to like do my laundry in and going like, okay, this, this, this is going to be different. <laughs> mm. And it was, but it was that spark that lit that recognition when she was telling me all these things. If I had simply just negated what she was saying, um, I would have missed out on the medicine, which was, no, you hadn't actually done many things for yourself at all you did them for everybody else because they were expected of you because this is what a daughter is and this is what a partner is and this is what a sister does and this is what a friend does and there was no room for me to actually go what is it that I do for me Mm -hmm. um so yeah coming from that place of utter emptiness and then slowly starting to build into it and then realizing that, you know, we think about ourselves in terms of others always. We're in relation to others. We are this to this person, we're that to that person. But ultimately, the longest relationship we have is with ourselves. And sadly, and I'm, I don't want to blame anyone because we're evolving, much like, you know, we we're talking about at light speed. But our grandparents weren't taught this. Our parents weren't taught this. So how are they going to hand it to us when they themselves had no experience of it? So now it's like, okay, well, you have all these tools. What are you going to do with them? So that's that's the journey that I've been on. Mm, amazing. And we'll, we'll come back to the tools because I'm fascinated into, to know how you've then gone about that. But just to dive into some of the stuff that you said, um, and I love that about being in a relationship with yourself. And I often use that with clients and people I'm working with about, you know, your you are if you think about like our 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 body and our and the and the world you know like we live in our body for our whole life like we're in a relationship with ourselves for our whole life from the moment we breathe to the moment we die or stop breathing then like so it, and I had this very conversation 
on another podcast recording I did a couple of days ago about the respect that we have for our bodies as well because mm. I just think it is we we just take so much of that for granted I think um and I often use the analogy of you know if you're on the airplane and it and you're told to put your own oxygen mask on first before you help anyone else there's a reason for that but yet we go about life forgetting to put on our own oxygen mask and I said this to a friend I saw someone I follow on Instagram a mum two young kids running her own business and I'd just forgotten about herself and she then made an intentional decision to you know make one or two small changes in her life that put her well-being at the forefront like prioritized herself which actually in, in turn is such a powerful example to set then for your children or your friends or your partner you're teaching other people how you deserve to be treated by doing it to yourself you're setting the precedent absolutely mm. yeah it is so powerful um do you think that, that that um links back to why there's so many people that are in this kind of state of overwhelming burnout so much in society is it because we just don't have that relationship with ourselves Sarah? yeah I definitely think so because once you start to really to look at yourself as this like incredible human being who's inside this body that is literally miraculous like it is changing and adjusting for us every moment of every second of every day of our lives um and uplifting us and we take it for granted we most myself included for years only really looked at the body as something that needed attention when something broke down in it um And so when we're stressed out, when we're pushing ourselves to the limits, when we're just thinking about how productive can we be in a day, of course, all of this is going to take a toll. Of course, it's going to land somewhere in your physical body, in your emotional body. Um, It's going to show up. And then what we end up doing is kind of suppressing and numbing and just going, oh, yeah, we can handle this. We're fine. My least favorite word in the English language, fine. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, tell me how you really are. Like, what's what's happening underneath all of this? Mm-hmm. And you and I had a chat about this when we last saw each other and how um, as a culture we suppress with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many ways to do it, so many ways to check out, so many ways to, like, numb and suppress. But this is so readily accepted that it's almost like now being – on the other side Mm -hmm. looking in I'm like whoa 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 what would be allowed to surface if we didn't try so hard to numb Mm -hmm. um for me it's been exponentially life-changing to to not drink anymore and it was it wasn't because I was abusing it and it wasn't because it was an excess it was actually because of the dear friend who did um found journeys with me and a couple of other friends and all of a sudden out of six weeks we did this by the end of it I was like I have no desire to drink and this was like three years ago and it's just it's gone completely and it's made me clearer it's made me more connected to myself it's made me more dedicated to all of my practices and it's made me more accessible to everybody in my life because I'm actually really present with you and not somewhere you know moving away from the conversation or the experience I'm having with anyone because I'm actually fully in it with all of my senses so yeah yeah. I love what you said there and there was something about I can't remember exactly the words you used I'm scribbling copious amounts of notes um but it was it was a 
drawn a parallel to what I talk about Gabor Matty's work all the time. Oh, I love him. Oh, I'm obsessed. I love Can we him. just start a fan club? <laughs> oh, please. You and me would like the good science. I've been considering it at like a fan girl. <laughs> I'm um, your girl. Right, we'll we'll start one. A Gabor Matty appreciation club. Um but he talks his new books about the myth of normal. And I saw a quote, I think I shared it the other day around just because we do things in life and society and it, it doesn't mean it's normal or healthy. And that I suppose that's one of those things where we're numbing with so many things that when you take a step back, actually they're they're more detrimental than we possibly give them credit for, if that makes sense. But and also that when you said about not drinking and I'm what the the result or the benefit of that is being often I think people are afraid to let go of something that maybe they enjoy in the moment or they it feels safe because they've always done it it's what they've known but actually on letting go on the other side of that can be greater expansion than they ever thought possible or more joy and happiness that they ever thought possible but that only comes when we let go of that thing. And that could, that I suppose, could be true for anything, whether it's a relationship, a job that's not serving you, a, a, a kind of toxic habit that you're, that's just part of your life. Just think we hold on to stuff that's stopping us uh, reaching that potential in our life. We're also not taught how to let go. And mm. not, we don't have ceremony to do that with anymore, really. Mm um so it's, it's again looking back on things and going like you've brought me to here and for me one of the things I realized and this was when I moved away from New York I had a very um interesting relationship with New York I'm very grateful that um it allowed me to grow up there and that it made me into someone that's really strong and really resilient and you can kind of throw me anywhere and I will land on my feet but it also took a lot for me, the exhaust of being around so many people all the time, concrete, steel, so very little nature. And when I left New York and I was moving to Norway, it was the first time I cried leaving instead of coming back to. And it was mm. this deep like sense of looking at my, um, my relationship with New York as an actual relationship and finally letting it go in love and realizing I was like, I'm so grateful for everything that you've taught me, but I release you and this is done with choice. And so going back to when you're like, oh, gratitude, <laughs> sorry, gratitude does play a, a massive role in my life. It's in everything that I teach. But for me, particularly, how can we let go of things in gratitude, even when they're really hard and you're like, because what's left if you don't have the gratitude is this residual, I want to call it almost like murkiness, like almost like shadows around us because I could feel them inside of me too so I'm not ever going to speak to you or anyone about something I haven't personally experienced I've definitely been through moments in life where I felt heavy like shrouded in heaviness with emotions that I couldn't let go of because I was so angry because I was so sad because I still felt the residuals of them mm -hmm. moving through me and so one of the the most incredible ways to let it go is to see it to see it for what it was and to thank it to thank it for what it's shown you mm. and then to let it go yeah I think that's really powerful and I knew this would happen I've got totally <laughs> off the questions um but what you it's just my said, fault I'm doing it intentionally you know? no I love it uh but what I was thinking there is I think that's true of um you know when people go through up go through breakups it can be quite a kind of 
gonna be a lot of negative emotions associated with that but actually and I'd done this myself and then supported a client to do the exact same thing and it, it has to be at the right time because sometimes we need to sit in our pain long enough mm. to make sense of it so it's not ignoring that it's there it's not it's not overriding it either uh-huh. mm. it's not not suppressing it but once we're at a point where we want to intentionally move through it um and I think I took this from Matthew Hussey who's a bit of a relationship coach and said about write like three lists a list of like what you learned about yourself what you learned about relationships and what you were grateful for because I think we often I think that if something ends there still can be joy and happiness for what it was at the time definitely and I think we forget that and almost like write off for some people significant chunks of your life based on it ending but actually it was what it was meant to be at that time in your life just doesn't mean it wasn't right moving forward so I I think that's I find that quite fascinating when um either you experience or you witness other people going through that process and how you sometimes I think people and again this is this is my beef with some of the personal development space (laughs) is people can just say be grateful Mm. and there's a bit of so I think sometimes comes with that a bit of toxic positivity we have to we have to still be that's a different type of numbing you're not numbing with the substance mm. you're numbing with the oh yeah no this is going with everything's fine now I'm like yeah no, like no don't give me that yeah give me something tangible and real give me something that you're actually feeling mm. um yeah so but not I- using gratitude to override anything else mm. yeah I think my my uh I suppose my awareness and my understanding now compared to maybe what I did years ago is just it's the deepness to it like there, you can be surface level grateful for whatever the sunshine the rain but it's going to that accessing that deeper part of you that can understand your emotions and look for the lessons and and I suppose that all comes I'm thinking as I'm talking which is sometimes dangerous but I think it comes back to the knowing yourself if you can yeah. you can understand yourself at a really deep level then you can access that in other things when you're trying to process oh man so really brilliant movie that I saw maybe like nine months ago it's a Japanese movie called drive my car and there's just this like one line in it oh yeah we were talking about this because I was like it was so it just made me go Oof. like so the line is super simple it says you can only meet someone as deeply as you have met yourself mm-hmm. um and I'm like what kind of people do you want to surround yourself with what kind of relationships do you want to have I feel like I'm allergic to surface level stuff like I was never good at it to begin with but I could pretend and now I'm like you know what life is infinitely like vast and yet short so are you going to spend your time discussing things that really you couldn't care less about that don't have your full attention that don't have your devotion that don't have your awareness or are you going to go deep and that's why that's why when I was like I really want to be on this podcast because I knew like I was like I knew our conversations were going to go through so many different layers Mm -hmm. and this is where I'm happy this is yeah I don't I don't want the shallow end of the pool Mm. but it's like getting in the shallow end and this is the thing I think that people can find daunting and this was maybe my experience as well I was maybe a bit um dismissive of going deep for years because I thought I'm I'm all good don't have anything to process or deal with um and I just wasn't ready at that time in my life 
but to get there's a time and a place for everything. yeah to get into the deep end of the pool often we have to get in at the shallow end and make our way along it's not like I mean it, it takes a lot of courage to do the work and to go to the places and allow yourself to feel all the feels and that's why people like you and I exist as opposed to support people on that journey um but I would definitely encourage people to get in at the shallow end and start their journey rather than dive bombing in the deep end I think life has a way of you know like if you avoid it long enough there's a really incredible astrology book it's based on karmic astrology and it's called discovering your soul mission I found it in my 20s I bought a lot of copies of it for a lot of people but one of the essential things about it is that life is going to give you these opportunities to shift and change Mm. how you respond to them determines the level of intensity that they show up with for someone that continuously is gifted these opportunities to shift and change and refuses to it ends up being what um, she calls a cosmic two by four, which is something that is irreversible. It is it is getting your attention to the degree where you cannot unknow it. And so if we don't do it, you know, easily, naturally at first, then you're going to get these things that are really going to shake you up. Mm. And that's not to scare anyone, but it's just like to recognize that we're being given these opportunities continuously in life to respond to change. Mm. And if we refuse to answer that call, then massive things are going to start shifting around us that we cannot avoid, that we cannot turn our back to and, or close our eyes to and go, this isn't happening. Mm. So it's um, that's why like, yeah, diving in at the deep end from the beginning is not what I would suggest either. <laughs> I would say, listen to those like calls from, um, from the world that are asking you to change in small ways progressively. So that, that building process where we started talking like layering, mm. um, and then when you're you know, strong enough, you're like, okay, I can deal with a lot of really incredible, intense things now because I've built that awareness within myself and I know how to respond. Um, mm. But yeah, if we avoid that, that calling long enough, then it gets a little more intense. Mm. I suppose it's that proactive versus reactive, isn't it? It's having the mm. kind of proactive openness um and curiosity I think that comes with life to then look for stuff because I think we can go through life quite often with our eyes closed and and we miss the you know the cues whether it's whatever you believe in but from the universe or you know we're mm. being taught stuff and even if it's our bodies trying to tell us something we can ignore stuff long enough until it's in a state of crisis and we have to then react rather than yeah. be proactive so it's just that I suppose that shift of um, perspective a little bit Sarah you mentioned earlier about the tools that you use and everything that you've learned um a what are they what kind of things um yeah tools techniques practices do you implement to nourish yourself that might um spark a bit of interest for the listeners I'm laughing because I by no means claim to like have this mastered I am very much a work in continuous progress <laughs> and these these tools adjust daily but it's really interesting because I was sitting down to write this morning and I've been, my whole life is in notebooks. So writing has been my best friend for a very, very long time and mm. eternally grateful for it. But they, the writing also was sporadic. And I also realized when I was going through, through things that I actually didn't want to really process, the, the longest being like this nine month part of a relationship where I knew it was ending, but I, I was just so like, how do I not cause pain? That I would not allow myself to write about it at all because I knew that once I did those floodgates would be open. 
so um, what I've done, actually, I was like, oh, this is directly related to the pandemic as I committed to writing every day. So today was day 288 of year three of writing every day. <laughs> I say that very officially because I was looking at it on my notebook and I was like, oh, wow, like this is, this is, and it feels really good because it doesn't feel like something I have to do. It feels like this act of devotion on behalf of myself. And yes, there have been nights where like I've fallen asleep six times trying to finish my writing, but I still kept doing it. And no matter where I was and what I was doing, I was like, this this is me showing up for me. So writing is definitely um, part of my daily rituals. Um, yoga is also definitely a part of my daily rituals, um, no matter where I am. And yoga mat or no yoga mat, it's just me and a floor somewhere. Um, one of the practices... <laughs> That came out of a place of fear was um, many years ago I had fallen out of a headstand next to my brother we went into it side by side he fell toppled onto me I fell really badly he's like are you paralyzed I was like no I think I can still move thankfully I did and then um, it created this massive charge of fear in my whole entire physical body that every time I would go near the thought of it it was like absolutely not so it was during my yoga teacher training in India that I was like very determined. I was like, by the time I leave India, I'm going to get into a headstand again. But I did it so slowly. I literally like started with like putting my legs on my bed and then slowly moving one up and up on the wall and then two and then just, yeah, very, very slow. So I was teaching my body to trust itself again because it had created this like deep trauma of mistrust. I hadn't taken care of it. I hadn't protected it. Um, so it was rewiring that. And then as a, I guess, a, an act of self-love, I was like, I'm going to do a headstand every day for the rest of my life, no matter where I'm at and what's happening and what is going on around me. And it's been like almost 10 and a half years of this. <laughs> so headstand and shoulder stands um, every morning for sure. And then silence has been incorporated into it. I started that a little over a year ago, um, holding at least 11 minutes and 11 seconds of silence every day. Um, consulting with all our Oracle cards, which I always found to be fascinating. And I was always mystified by how is it that they always kind of just bring me exactly what I need to know. Mm. And I actually use them in, in teaching now because if I'm holding, if I'm doing a workshop, if I'm holding a circle, if I'm teaching a class, I'll ask what is it that I need to know and what is it that I need to teach very often the two happen to be one and the same. And it's really incredible to see how it resonates with the people um, because everyone's like, this is exactly what I needed today. How did you know? And I'm like, I didn't, but I'm trusting that intuition and that gut instinct. And that also comes into how I teach, how I teach. Actually, I don't know anybody that teaches like I do right now because I ask people what it is that they need. I don't just go into a class and go like, this is what I've structured in my mind. This, These are the postures that we're going to go through. So I ask people how their bodies are doing. And my hope is that they check in with themselves every day, literally, and go like, what is it that I need? Where in my physical body am I holding tension? How can I bring the breath into it? How can I bring awareness into it? How can I open up? And then you see people like, sometimes people don't even need to tell you what they need. Their body starts moving, like their shoulders will start to move or their hips will start to sway a little bit. Or um, yeah, the, this incredible vehicle of experience, our body is uh, infinitely wise. So 
whatever that body requires on that day, listen to it. And I think at the forefront, um, time in nature, time in nature for me every day is pretty much non-negotiable. Um, it gives me back to myself at light speed. And I also, I find hope. I find um, so much beauty in nature in like the smallest of things, the way sunlight falls across something, the way that something changes through time, like the way you know a landscape through all the different seasons and the way in which I find myself being held and empowered by trees, by the earth, by the waters, by wild swimming, um, that communion with nature is utterly non-negotiable and the backdrop of everything that I love and everything that I do. So yeah, <laughs> those, those would be top on my list. Uh, I'm sure. I love all that. I, I, one of the things I say to people is find what works for you. And mm -hmm. I, cause I think there's loads, you know, even in the art of writing, you know, if people know that as journaling or, you know, expressing their thoughts on paper, even the how and where and when you do that can determine whether it feels right for you or or it, or, it, or it feels out of alignment so I think it's I think with a lot of um when it comes to tools and techniques and practices it's a lot about trial and error and oh yeah totally look because <laughs> I'm my own guinea pig and like <laughs> you said like you said you're not a master if you're still and we're we're never a that you know we're always it's a practice learning. all of it yeah but I suppose it's the what works for one is not always going to work for the other and I suppose you spent years fine-tuning how you do things where you do things like even that journey of doing the headstand and reteaching yourself to trust your body yeah no one no that. one was like this is what you need to do and for me I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in the world and mm -hmm. a lot of ways to gather that wisdom but ultimately you have to make it fit you um there's no recipe that's just going to be like this is the way to wholeness it isn't you really have to trust yourself you have to connect with yourself you have to experience and experiment with a lot of different modalities and know that most of them won't be for you and that's okay um and that also comes to like when you think about like the work that we do we are not going to be for everybody and that's good because it would be impossible to do that type of job. So it's it's very specific. It's coming through in a very specific way for each individual. And I think one of the really incredible things that I had to learn was to ask for help. Mm. And it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard sometimes because you're just like, oh, what if I look like the person that doesn't have it all together? No one has it all together. We're all constantly going through these like ebbs and flows. And how we respond is ultimately like what's going to make us it's not the fact that we avoid them it's uh it's what's inside of us when they come and they will come so I think that loads of stuff that you just said there and actually the tools and techniques and practices you've mentioned will help people reconnect but I think there's a real disconnection from ourselves isn't there so when you said about yes. trusting ourselves there's so many people that, that don't trust themselves because they've never tapped into that or that when you said about teaching yoga and asking everyone what do they need you know I I would assume a lot of people wouldn't know what their needs are because they've never taken they've never stopped to take the time to think what do I need what does my body need mm -hmm. what do I emotionally need what are my needs and expectations from others what do I need to give myself and are we even allowed to have needs <laughs> mm, yeah 
so there's so much I suppose um I say complexity but it's not well it can be hard I, I don't want to say complexity and then make it daunting for people but I do think there's this like I suppose it, it comes back to what we're saying at the very beginning about that relationship with ourselves it's like you would if you were dating someone else you would find out about someone you'd ask questions mm-hmm. you would learn about them you wouldn't be expected on date one to know all about their life but you go on that journey of discovering someone another human it's like we need to do that with ourselves isn't it yeah yeah and that's it's one of the things that I I think I spend more time by myself now than I ever have Mm -hmm. um and it's because I've never not enjoyed it but now I really cherish it and really like I don't know just I'm committed to it. I'm committed to spending a lot of time by myself every day so that when I I do engage with someone else, I feel like I'm a full person and I I can show up in the way that I want to. Whereas before, where I didn't recognize that I needed to pour anything back into me, I was showing up very empty and still trying to give. And I'm like, okay, as someone who wants to be of service and wants to do good in the world, I cannot show up empty because then what am I actually giving anyone? Um, So it's, you know, a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who are very much in the same boat where they're like, we want to be of service. We want to be able to add something to this world, to leave it better than we found it. And ultimately it begins with us. And that's a, it's a, it's a long, it's a long journey for sure. But I'm like, what if we started earlier? What if as children, we were taught that yes, you matter. Yes, how you feel is important. Why do you want to do this? Why do you not want to do it? And to really give value to that um, and to raise our children with that knowledge that this relationship is their forefront um, and that everything else will stem from it um, because we're not, we're not taught that at all. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember who it was, but I saw something on the classic Instagram um, and it said something about, I'll misquote it, but something about what's in my cup is for me and what is overflowing from my cup is for you. So it's like Mm, having your cup runneth over. It's like, I'm going to fill myself so full that yeah, I have got enough to go and serve and be of um, service and impact, but I'm coming from a place of overflowing and abundant rather than I've depleted myself so much that it it affects me um I speak about it with clients quite a bit around I don't know I imagine in my head visually like you know a couple of different tanks because I think there's so much interplay between energy time finances you know like all our emotions and it's about getting the levels right at certain parts of our mm-hmm. day so we can do what we want. But I think, and actually I said this to a client just recently, you know, a lot of people, I think, manage their energy between the hours of nine to five, thinking that work is going to be the drain of the energy. I need enough energy to get through my working day. Actually, what about what when you get home and you've got mm-hmm. family time or time with your partner or time with yourself or doing your hobbies or things that light you up? If you've got to five o'clock and you're at kind of low, I need to plug myself back in, then we've not got the energy or the headspace or the capacity to do the real stuff that lights us up. You know, some folk aren't really passionate about their job, which is amazing. But if for some people it's just what I need to get through to then live my life, live my life outside of that. It's think I think about the we is it the like the Duracell bunnies of, you know, <laughs> 
like actually re- you know they do talk about that don't they like you would charge your you know plug your phone into charge yet we let ourselves just run on empty for so low for so long for lifetimes some people you can look at and go like oh my gosh when have you ever stopped yeah yeah and the nature but I know um I know you're so passionate about nature and it's definitely one thing that I I've always been, I grew up in the countryside so I've always been around nature but maybe didn't have quite have the same appreciation for it but lockdown really peaked that I think oh, for yeah. me and being intentional about getting out in nature for my own well-being um and you feel the shift when you come back from being in nature yeah and actually water is one for me like I love mm-hmm. and I'm really blessed that I live close to the water I went for a walk down to the beach um yesterday and I'm about 10 I mean it's not the most glorious looking beach it's a it doesn't matter it's it's a <laughs> slightly miserable dreek looking beach in Scotland <laughs> but it's just been by the water like I love it um and that's an element of change the water and the tides coming in mm, I mean that is perpetual continuous change yeah so you can't be near it and not be changed mm. and you'll love this actually and I took a video of it to share on the gram at some point but it's um it's got like a, a kind of jetty thing that goes right out mm-hmm. and on one side's a harbour and the other bit's like the beach and it was the way the weather's a bit wild yesterday and the difference between the water was oh, I quite, quite profound like on one side it was so calm and the other bit was these like stormy waves coming in there's folks surfing <laughs> um because it was so wild and I just um I don't know Again, it's like lessons from nature. I was like, this mm-hmm. is pretty profound, the difference. But it's the same body of water. And it's just the way that, obviously, the jetty was blocking some of the weather. The way it's it. contained. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, that, like, masculine-feminine thing. Like, what kind of yeah. containers are we creating? And then what is allowed to happen within them? Mm-hmm. Um, I I love that you, you saw that dichotomy happening right there. Um, I live sort of I mean super close to the Union Canal and I've seen it like really still and obviously it's like a a really small body of water you're up to your knees at its depth not that I've actually (laughs) walked through it I was gonna (laughs) say don't get in the canal no I was (laughs) I was on a an art sketching like um group tour on one of the canal boats and the gentleman was really funny he's like you know we have life preserving mechanisms here if you guys need like anything but he's like ultimately like you're up to your knees at a time <laughs> so that's I thought it was funny but you can see it like on a on a really calm and steady day it's just so calm and steady and then it's a canal so it's man-made and it's not connected to like the ocean or anything certainly not here um and then you can see when the winds come in like it too creates waves um and it splashes over the edges and it's like really it takes on a different Form. and you're like it's the same body of water but under different types of I don't know external duress let's say mm. um so it's it's incredible how the elements in nature can affect things and how in turn we are affected by them mm. I was down at that very body of water at the canal and I'm not doing that <laughs> way very often but I was like last winter and it was mm. completely frozen over like yeah. almost that you could stand I love it. that yeah so it is I love I love that thought about yeah how external factors can change a situation even when it seems really controlled yeah yeah amazing 
some it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I just started watching season two of Down to Earth with Zach Efron. Um Ooh, I have it, not watched any of it. Tell right, me. I did so I love season one and I, I'm enjoying season two, whether you're a Zach Efron fan or not. I think if you can get past his high school musical days, um it's it's <laughs> a real journey and exploration about the beauty that is Earth. So mm. it goes to different parts of the world and the second season is all based in Australia but talks about different like whether it's fishing or waste or uh, it's got a real environmental spin on it but if you want anything to try and uh, I suppose pause and reflect on the beauty of the planet then something like that I mean David Attenborough's got a few classics mm. as well doesn't he but it's just yeah just a few <laughs> it's it's <laughs> they're gonna it's, go toe-to-toe Zach yeah I know <laughs> maybe they should do a duet one time and do co-host something um but it is that it's the nature's all around us but sometimes we need something to point out to us how wonderful the planet is a bit like our own bodies isn't it sometimes we well that's the thing it's around us but it's also in us and that's how we like I think we we kind of in some weird egotistical way have elevated ourselves beyond it like we're because we have the capacity to think we're beyond nature and I'm like actually no we are so much a part of it and once we forget that is when things get really out of out of hand because I'm like we are nature embodied Mm. everything within us is nature and when we separate from it it feels and I, I can say this again from experience it feels really painful um you feel isolated and not as part of the whole but rather just as fragmented singular being that isn't stardust actually in our bones that isn't you know magic in human form so nature just kind of goes like oh but you're always a part of me and I think ah that's that's what I love about being in it you you forget that you're just this one human being all of a sudden you're part of everything you're part of that water you're part of that earth you're part of the wind um which makes us immortal and eternal just like the elements oh i feel like i just need to end it there that was so <laughs> just like a a yeah i don't know just so beautifully put yeah i'm going to ask you one last question sarah because i think that we've covered so much in there and the listeners might be overwhelmed well yeah I was thinking that I was thinking yeah where'd I even start so you know if someone was gonna I suppose look at nourishing the self and going and doing that work and not diving in the deep end but getting in the shallow end and making the journey along the swimming pool what you know what's the top tip where's the number one place they would start what makes your heart sing what makes you happy what brings you joy what lights you up it doesn't have to be like grand things it's those small things and I think an easy way to connect to it is go like okay forget the adult self connect to that inner child um what would you show them that would really kind of just bring a smile to their face um what would make them happy just for the fun of it yesterday I was with a really dear friend and her two nieces and we got them hot chocolate before we went into Blackford and they were like, this is the best hot chocolate ever, like ever. And they meant it. And I was like, that, that right there. And me experiencing it through them in that moment was like, this is pure bliss. Like being here with you guys, witnessing you enjoying something so simple, 
and yet so profound. And we have these ideas about like, you know, we go on vacations and our lives are changed and they are, and, but it can happen every day all the time. If you're open to it, it's, it's in the smallest of things. And all of a sudden, like, I find myself deeply humbled and I'm like sitting there weeping going like, oh my gosh, there's so much grace to life. There's kindness and yeah, those things that light you up, whatever they are, keep following them. They're going to create this invisible trail for you to follow. And then one day you're going to look back and go like, oh my gosh, it's brought me to, to where I've always wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Follow the trail of hope and joy. It's there. Amazing. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I knew it's a really insightful conversation and uh, we could have kept going for hours and hours, but... I'm like, can I set up for like 10 more with you? <laughs> I'm sure you will appear on later seasons for sure. But um, but yeah, I love that. Thanks so much for, for imparting some of your wisdom and sharing your own journey and yeah, sharing that message with the listeners to follow what lights you up. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you and for creating this community and asking incredible questions and being so open to hearing and learning. Um, thank you with all my heart. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again. <laughs>